0: Hello, welcome back to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Akash, you can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore
1: fantasy. And I'm Ian, and you can find me at Dynasty underscore IM on Twitter. Perfect. So, week five, definitely a crazy week. I thoroughly
0: enjoyed Monday Night Football last night. But uh, let's get right into this. Starting off with the the Thursday Night Football, the Los Angeles Rams game. Stafford currently 14th in completion percentage over expected. 15th in PFF passing grade, three-ish rush attempts per game. So this is a Stafford that we knew from Detroit where he's middle of the pack in a lot of passing, but the volume's really good there in Los Angeles. And with two great wide receivers, even if he has little rushing production, it should be able to lead to low QB1 production for the rest of the season. Then Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they are who we thought they are. Woods had a good bounce back game, but Cup should be a good – low wide receiver one rest of the season which should be a made wide receiver two and then higby not really very involved he's uh seeing a 12 target share on the year so that's not going to be very conducive to week to week fantasy success but he's obviously going to have good um touchdown upside every week just because this is such a dynamic just high scoring offense so the upside for touchdowns are there and then daryl henderson when he's healthy seeing 90 you 90 know, of the opportunity share That is a workhorse, that is something to covet, basically. And so I feel like he'll be underrated for the rest of the season just because he's not one of the hot all star names for that you think of when you think of workhorses, but the opportunity is there for him to be a low running back one for the rest of the season just because of opportunity and the fact that this offense is so good, he'll probably be scoring a lot of touchdowns week
1: to week. I do agree with the Darrell Henderson take. He's seeing a lot of the opportunities uh on the opposite side of the ball seattle lost russell wilson for an extended period of time it sounded like six to eight weeks but i haven't seen a legitimate timetable but at some point in hopefully two months russell wilson will be back into this offense but for the time being that means that geno smith is available in a lot of leagues and he'll be a starting quarterback which is always something you want so the question is what should we expect with him I think I think it'll be. There's going to be a decent floor there, considering in his limited time at the end of the fourth quarter, there he already had three rushing attempts, and he does have weapons at his disposal like DK, who's a really good alpha, and Lockett, who's a really good beta. Two of the best receivers in the league at his disposal, and I also believe for those two receivers who are seeing a funneled part of the offense. DK is seeing 28.4%, Lockett seeing 26.1%. So it's very funneled. And I think we'll see even more pass attempts than we did. Not that there's been many, but because I'm expecting a lot more negative game scripts without Russ being there. And I think they'll be throwing more, which could be good for DK Lockett, especially in redraft or maybe in the dynasty where Lockett or even DK's value has fallen a little bit. I think it's something that you should look into. And as for Chris Carson, he's always been a floor play. just doesn't get the targets. So unless he's scoring touchdowns, it's it's hard to plug that... uh, have RB1 hope with Chris Carson. Yeah, definitely
0: agree there. that. The fact that his offense is so condensed between uh, Lockett and DK makes them, it's downgrade, obviously. You go from one of the best QBs in the league to Geno Smith, you're going to get a downgrade, but they'll still be startable. You're moving on to the New York Jets game in London at 9 a.m., which I had to wake up for. That was crazy. I hardly ever wake up that early except for school. But Zach Wilson, this point for... For your leagues, he's not really a startable QB. There's not a lot of rushing. He's playing like a rookie. Like He is playing poorly, but he's playing like a lot of rookies do. Just because he's playing poorly doesn't mean we should lower expectations for him because a lot of rookies don't play well. Negative 6.8 completion percentage over expected. No games with positive completion percentage over expected. 29th in PFF passing grade out of 34 players. So he's not overly bad, but as far as rookies go, he's, he's fine. He's playing just like Lawrence and Fields and Lance, so don't panic on him. Michael Carter seen 50% of the opportunities in the last three games and an 8.4 target share on the season, so this offense isn't great, so there's not a lot of touchdown opportunity. Plus, we saw Ty Johnson get some goal line work and maybe Tevin Coleman in weeks past, so he's probably a desperate flex play. They're not a ton of upside. And then Corey Davis with a 22% target share on the year with a rookie quarterback who's playing like a rookie. He's gonna be probably uh boom bust wide receiver three, probably, but there's week to week upside with the amount of deep targets he gets. And Zach Wilson, he's a talented player, so he occasionally flashes some arm talent, makes a good deep throw and Corey Davis, gets a long touchdown or a long catch. So that's good. Jameson Crowder, low a dot slot receiver, not a lot of upside, really just the weekly floor play, I guess, but in the offense it's not that great. How what is the floor sometimes he sees a lot of targets in the games but he's like cole beasley or something so elijah moore through four games he's played he missed one game but he's not seven out of nine rookie wide receivers with 10 plus targets so he'll get better as the year goes on right now he's not playing very well but he'll get, rookies typically get better as the year goes on and he's seeing a lot of valuable down the field, field targets so there's no reason to panic just yet it's only been a
1: couple games. As for me, the game was at 6.30 in the morning, so I actually didn't wake up for that on a Sunday. But looking at, uh, it was awesome to see that Kyle Pitts finally got a touchdown, and now it's time to appreciate just how good he is as a rookie. His 17.9% target share ranks 7th amongst all tight ends, which is something you absolutely love to see from a rookie tight end, which tend to struggle, but the production's there on a high-volume passing offense still. They're still throwing over 40 times a game, which is great to see and it also helps give Cordero Patterson RB2 rest of season positioning if not big high weeks that he's had because he has such a high target share he's at 14.9% and still seeing 40% of ops, and they're valuable targets too because his ADA is the 10th highest among all running backs and that includes all running backs not ones that are seeing as many targets as Cordero Patterson is so if you can't sell Cordero Patterson for a second absolutely hang on to him because there is RB two rest of season upside. It's he's getting great usage. I would say RB two is
0: probably like close to the floor right now. He's, yeah, he yeah yeah floor I mean, sorry
1: this is sorry I mean, he's got high upside. He's shown that he has RB one upside. He, I'm yeah. sticking him as an RB two rest of season, and so I'm saying that's more of his floor. I agree. And then Mike Davis, he's getting fine usage. If
0: he's not that efficient, it's it's not great, but. The usage is there to be conducive to low RB2 upper your uh, scoring, but he there is a there uh, for him. There's a considerably lower ceiling, and the floor is is decent week to week, but it's not great. So, but for Calvin Ridley when he returns, this offense is really turning a corner. Uh, Matt Ryan, yeah. the concern through three weeks was the ADOT and the overall performance, but the ADOTs turned a corner over the last couple games and he was actually the uh second highest uh graded qb by pff and passing grade in week four and then fourth highest in week five so he's playing really well right now the offense is throwing a lot ridley should slot in back to back to his 2020 self when he gets back into this offense something that's very encouraging to see moving on to the green bay packers game rogers six completion percentage over expected right now he's been playing really well in some of these games Adams with a 46% target share this, this week. He's the wide receiver one for the rest of the season. He has upside that no other wide receiver can match at this point of the year. He is the ultimate dynasty buy if you're contending because he presents an upside like no one else does at wide receiver. And he's falling in dynasty ranks because he's hitting that age curve right now. Between now and the end of the year, he will fall in dynasty value, but not without giving you league winning production on your team and so if you can trade a player like if you really really want to win a, sh- a championship i wouldn't mind trading a guy like cd lamb for Devonte adams plus or trading a guy like aj brown for Devonte adams plus Th- this is a move that sometimes you have to sacrifice the value to win a championship because ultimately championships matter more than the value and then aaron jones still a mid running back one the, the target share is there the carries are there he's just we know who he is at this point Yeah, I
1: definitely agree in trading for Devontae Adams as a contender because there is no one that can do what he's doing because he has a 37.9% target share. Like, that's absolutely crazy through week five. And his 45.9% target share, like you said, this week, is just absolute astonishing upside, especially with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. So you're not going to get that anywhere else. And as for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow's also throwing well. He hasn't. He didn't throw as well as he did in three and four, where he was w- one of the top three in the league both both weeks, but he was still good. Chase Alpha this game, we saw 27% target share, 4.18 yards per team pass attempts. He's seeing a lot of high valuable targets as well and good for 27.9. Through five weeks, it is pretty awesome to see Jamar Chase as a wide receiver one. Not totally sure it'll hold, but it'll be a high-end wide receiver two as floor is what it feels like. As for Higgins, he's starting to get back into the offense after missing a couple weeks. It was good to see, and he was still behind Chase, or he was behind Chase in target share. But Boyd was even further behind Higgins, which isn't great to see for Tyler Boyd because you already know that he's going to get squeezed out by the two alphas. So weeks like this are are low floor games, which kind of suck to see, but. We knew with two alphas going into Boyd, who's a, who's a good beta, and he sees a 20% target share is probably looking at like 17 or 18% if I had to guess, maybe in that 19% range for Tyler Boyd. And if the offense doesn't totally uptick the volume that we hoped it would with all these weapons, then it could be kind of a problem for Tyler Boyd, who's been quite productive to start this season. And then we saw a limited Joe Mixon in this week. I'm sure we'll see him back to healthy where he gets just the crazy usage that he usually gets.
0: Yeah, something for Higgins. He only plays 70% of the snaps. So that tells me it's not uh, guar- it's not guaranteed that this is why. But it tells me he's not fully back from his injuries. So Ch- uh, Higgins getting alpha in this game by Chase isn't something to worry about for Higgins. We know he's a good player. We buy good players. I expect them both to have alpha target shares by the end of the year and them both to be producing really, really well because they have a QB who's playing really well and they're both really good players.
1: Yeah, I did put in that uh, T. Higgins was a buy this week because people are just getting a little too low on him, especially just worrying that they see Chase as a true alpha when I think it's still... Well within the range of outcomes for Higgins to be the leading receiver on this team. Yeah, it doesn't have to be either or for these guys. It could definitely be both. Definitely.
0: And then there's uh, Tyler Boyd being expensive, Jameson Crowder. <laughs> right, so then moving on to the Detroit Lions game. Goff is 20th in completion percentage over expected, 26th in PFF passing grade. This is normal, slightly below average Jared Goff, who's not fantasy football relevant. He's just there. Who's a fine bye-week QB three for your super flex teams? It's whatever. But the real the guy you should be excited for in this offense, DeAndre Swift, 19% target share on the year. That is insane. That is elite target share. That is it should be top three in the NFL. Any other season, I believe it would be top three in the NFL. I haven't checked him against all the running backs, but that is elite receiving usage. And what I've seen people talk about for Swift is that he may not be getting all the carries, but he's getting high value outside carries while jamal williams plunges up the middle for three yard games and so this is absolutely what you want to see for swift who's not being used as a workhorse so he's the risk of injury is lower just because he's seeing less touches and he's seeing the touches that don't that you weren't going to go flying face first into eight men in the defensive line so that's it's good to see the he's also getting good red zone usage which is good the upside is still top five for swift i think his uh people's opinion have fallen on him over the last couple games but he's still scoring really well and getting usage that leads to elite production. And then Hawkinson has a 17% target share on the year. I think people are pretty disappointed with him after the first couple weeks where he looked fantastic, but I think he is playing through the knee injury where which is limiting him to an extent, plus he also talked about how it's been an adjustment for him going to being the focal point of the receiving game and having defenses focus on him previously he had Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones there take pressure away from him but you just don't have that pressure taken away from you with wide, with wide receivers like Amar St. Brown and Quintus Cephas who's now hurt and Tyrell Williams who was hurt but comes back it's just different for Hawk. he's gonna have to make an adjustment but I believe that he should adjust.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. And then looking at Minnesota, who won this game, uh, it would have been an awesome game to see Dalvin Cook in there because Kirk Cousins did go to Alexander or Madison a lot. He had a 22.6% target share, which is definitely something that Cook could have been doing this game. And for the opportunities that Madison had, we know what Cook would have done. So it's too bad that we did not see Dalvin Cook, and hopefully we see him back soon. Uh, speaking of Kirk Cousins, he's still passing very well. He's still top um, five in PFF passing grade through five weeks, and that's only helped guys like Justin Jefferson, who's currently a wide receiver one and is putting up an alpha target share and the yards per team pass attempts, it's elite 2.41. So that's absolutely something you love to see from a second-year guy who was historic his first season. So the answer to Dynasty wide receiver one that's ever-changing, it seems like, has always been Justin Jefferson, and even this season, it still is Justin Jefferson. And then Thielen is kind of showing the low floor. That, I mean, there's been so many opportunities to get out from under Thielen. He's a high TD rate guy um, who's a beta getting 31 or 32, I believe. So Thielen's kind of showing that low floor. I, I, he'll have better games than this, but it's it's definitely not something that you want to be holding on to on your uh, dynasty rosters because there's really no value. If you have Thielen, you're holding him forever.
0: Yeah, for Thielen... If he's gonna be around twenty to twenty-two percent target share on this pretty low volume offense and be the high touchdown rates first uh, needed for success, there's uh that's a player that you should try to get out of, but if the volu- the value falls, they might not be able to get out of him. I still think you can get out of him for a player who's hurt right now, for a yeah, guy like Michael Gallup or Juju Smith Schuster plus, this this you can get you contenders will still give you a decent price for him just don't sell too low because there is still some production so if no one is willing to pay don't sell him for like a third or something just let him retire on your roster because he'll still produce fine wide receiver two three numbers exactly then the uh denver broncos game teddy bridgewater is sneakily having i think a career year because he's third in completion percentage over expected 14th in pff passing grade and eighth in air yards per attempt. So kind of a little, little bit of a gunslinger. It's after never being a gunslinger, he's kind of being a gunslinger, which is pretty cool to see. And it's led to a lot of good production and good usage for Cortland Sutton. Sutlin, he has 40% of the air yards in this offense, 24% target share. I think the target share is being dragged down by his week one, pretty much Dodd, where I think he was still recovering from the ACL, not 100%. If you want to drink that narrative Kool-Aid with me, then he has a 28% target share and 46% of the air yards since then from week two to week five. That's absolutely elite. It's probably somewhere in the middle between those two, which is pretty much sudden that we saw in 2019, which is a wide receiver too. So I think he's a bit undervalued at wide receiver 30 prices in Dynasty. And I still like him more than Judy. And then Javante Williams continues to be very efficient and look really good on limited touches i don't have evaded tackles or juke great data just yet for week five but so far he has been very good in both those metrics from week one to four and fans is a fan he's not he's he has upside just because we know he's athletic he's talented but i was talking with uh Coop a fiasco on twitter the other day because he's a tight end guru he really knows tight ends we were talking about Noah fan and i noticed his deployment is really bad so he's lying he's lining up in line so much and so what Coop told me is that it's harder to get for up from a three-point stance and run routes and earn targets and so that uh, caps your ceiling a lot for tight ends it's harder to reach the top five upside that we think Noah Fant can have and so if he continues to be utilized that way it will cap his upside but as we know we buy talent for the long term in dynasty because schemes and coaches can change you know we could see the all the coaches for Broncos get fired after this year if they don't do well. So he could easily lead to a change in the offense. So buy the talent, but just be wary that the ceiling, he may not hit it if this continues.
1: That's great information right there. And then I know you and me were talking about how Juju is going to be someone that we're probably going to end up with a lot of on our rosters because people, people are undervaluing his consistent production because they had such high hopes for him after his rookie year, and then it kind of fell, but he's still been a really productive wide receiver, and now he's out for the season, and we've just seen his value just absolutely derail. On Keep Trade Cut, he's around guys like Brian Edwards and Adam Thielen and DJ Shark, so he's definitely someone that I'm probably going to own a lot of because he's a productive wide receiver that's still just turning 26, and you can get him for really cheap. You're just going to have to wait a year to use him. and then. Yes, yeah, so not yet twenty-four. He's
0: still really, really young. He's, it's insane how young he is, honestly, How, given how long he's
1: been around. Yeah, and so I think we're both going to end up with a lot of juju on our teams coming uh, by the end of the season. And then Chase Claypool this game, he did alpha despite Ben's 7.78 dot, but we know that's who Ben is. It'll keep uh, Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson in those high ceiling um, company because we know that he's just chucking down with such a low ADOT, a career low dot for Ben, even even compared to his rookie season. So that makes a guy like Najee Harris kind of that mid-RB1 mid, mid RB1 rest of season because he's going to have weeks where he's going to catch a lot because Ben's just not throwing downfield, and the same goes for Deontay, which just ch- sucks for Chase Claypool, but it's great to see this game that he was the leading receiver. Yeah, the, uh, the
0: concentration, the concentration, This offense becoming more concentrated on just those three guys rather than the four is only good for them because we know they're all talented players. It's just harder to have a higher target share when you're splitting between four talented players rather than three. So this is good for Juju, good for everyone in this offense that – not good for Juju. It's good for Claypool and good for everyone in this offense that Juju's hurt. It's unfortunate, but it is a bump to to everyone else. Then uh, the Miami game, that was definitely an interesting game. Tampa Bay – is a defense that pretty much forces everyone to just pass a lot because no one can run on them. Miami had seven carries this entire game. Five of them were Miles Gaskin. He played the majority of the snaps, saw the majority of the carries, absolutely dominated in the receiving game. We know he's a good receiver. It's just this kind of game isn't going to be present all the time, but games where they only run the ball seven times is going to happen. So this was a pretty crazy game for Miles Gaskin, but it does show that he's probably their running back one going – for the rest of the year, so what we expected from a preseason of him uh seeing the a good majority of the opportunities, not the overwhelming majority, but just enough for him to be a a running back two with his good receiving usage as well. And then Gasicki's a low tight end one, just because there are no there are hardly any tight ends. And then Waddle continues to confuse me because he's he's in a low eight dot role. It's just a really really bad average of the target but the target share is there it's just easier to earn targets when they're streams so how much is the target share really earned for him is a is a question to ask because of the way he's been being used and also eventually you have to get concerned about the average of the target but it's it's um people are talking to me saying that it'll fix itself when tua comes back and Granted that his average of the target was certainly higher when two was playing, significantly higher. He wasn't being used only in this gadgety role, but when he comes back, it'll just be something to monitor because if he stays in this role and this is how they continue to use him, he's just going to be, I don't know, an
1: expensive LaVisca Chenault. I'm really not sure what he will be. Hey, man, we've seen LaVisca Chenault's a dog go up, so let's not go there yet. But uh, looking at uh, target shares for running backs on Tampa Bay, Um, Ronald Jones' usage has just been a downward spiral, and now we saw him get the same opportunity this game that Gio Bernard had with 20% of the ops, and Gio's the one with the higher target share. So I know that Akash really likes Ronald Jones, and he's been buying him because he's basically free because of the bad usage we've seen, and that he'll be a free agent next year. Um, I'm not quite as into Rojo just because – The way he's being used now scares me, especially when you look at guys like Giovanni Bernard, who are more integrated into this offense and are now getting the same amount of opportunities that Ronald Jones is. And then a guy like Leonard Fournette is someone that you should be buying because he's been getting consistently good usage on a consistently good offense that has consistently good volume. He's got 50% of the ops or 60% of the season. He just had a 50% week. And it was still good because he had that 11.9% target share. He's got a 10.9% target share. So on an offense like that, and he's getting this consistent usage, even though he's an older running back, he's cheap to where you should be buying that because that's really good production for such cheap, especially at a position where you don't get a lot of opportunity like that, especially on this offense. And it's because of guys like Brady, who's just insane that he's the highest rated passer through five weeks on PFF. And he's 44 years old. Like, This is just insane. They're throwing 41 times a game, which helps make players like Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown, who are staying around the 17 to 21% target share and just kind of cycling where the fantasy points are going. But they can all produce because it's such a high-volume offense, and it's so good.
0: Yeah, if I had to pick one out of those three receivers, I think you'd agree with me, it'd be Evans, who's seeing more valuable targets, down the field targets, more air yards, and red zone he's a red zone guy because he's he's like six four right so that uh if i had to pick it'd be evans and then to your point on ronald jones it's hard to actively buy him just because the floor is so low i have gotten him in a couple places basically for free one i got him for tyson williams one i got him for fab because someone dropped him it's just the it's hard to i don't know it's just difficult for me to imagine that this guy who was a top 20 running back last year who nearly rushed for a thousand yards if it wasn't for missing the last three games due to i believe an injury then he might have rushed for a thousand yards and just hard for me to believe that that kind of player is seeing what five carries per game now so i think there is some level of talent and the fact that his situation will should change uh next year it's worth buying for the price that is so low right now that I'm I'm definitely interested. It's not something I' they're actively buying just because there's a good chance he fizzles out and doesn't get a starting role next year, and doesn't earn a starting role after he doesn't get a starting role next year. So the the floor is low, but the ceiling is decent relative to his price. Then, uh moving on to the I believe it's the Saints game. The, com, com, Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara, 17% target share, nine not, not 17, 19% target share and 19 carries per game. That is elite usage, and it should result in him being a high RB1 for the rest of the season. There have been some occasional flashes from Marquez Callaway, but 18% target share on the year, it's certainly not bad. It's just that I'm really not sure what's going to happen with this offense when Michael Thomas gets back. All that I really know is that the volume should go up. It's just hard to like anyone besides Camara MT, and maybe James Winston, because if the volume goes up and he keeps being semi-efficient, then I think that he could be a uh, QB2, but while the volume is so low, it sh- he shouldn't be very startable, but if Michael Thomas comes back after their bye this week, then I think James Winston enters startability, you get like he has weekly startability,
1: especially in superflex. Yeah, there's New Orleans Saints is one of those teams that there's it's super concentrated and there's not a lot of uh, studs in it and there's not a lot of guys who are too relevant in terms of who we want to be getting and on our fantasy teams. So there's not a lot of news coming out there. So it should be awesome to have Michael Thomas back. And then for Washington. It was. It's tough to see when you have Gibson who has 64.7% of the ops and McKissick who has 17.7% of the ops, yet McKissick is the one seeing twice as many targets, which has been the problem with Gibson because McKissick's still there. They still trust him as that passing down back, and that that just hinders the upside that everyone was drafting Gibson for at the end of the second or as a high RB1. So it's, it's probably like this rest of the season barring injury. Uh, Terry McLaurin seems like a guy who's never a sell, almost always a buy, because he's not being valued as just that premier wide receiver that he really is. On the season, thirty one point thirty point one percent target share, 2.42 yards per team pass attempt, and 17.4 PPR, and that's on yet another offense with bad QB play. Heineke literally ranks 32 out of 35 in QB pass grade. It's not super high volume, and he just hasn't been that good, so... Terry's just not a great situation, but he's such a prolific wide receiver that just goes under the radar consistently.
0: He is being so underrated in dynasty. You can easily make an argument looking at all the peripherals, like uh, all the target share efficiency production. There's you can make an argument for him over AJ Brown, CD Lamb.
1: And there's um maybe DK Metcalf, but. I did just trade uh, Chase Claypool and Brandon Cooks in a league to get Terry McLaurin, and I'm wow, really happy that is, with that return.
0: That is that is really good.
1: Yeah, I think that there's con- he's probably
0: around still around wide receiver ten right now in Dynasty, when you could easily make a case for him to be top five based on his career so far, his production the rate at which he consistently earns targets, he's just supremely underrated year to year. And I believe that it's strange. Now everyone's hurt in this offense, right? Logan Thomas is on on IR. De'Ami Brown missed last week. I'm not sure when he'll be back. Curtis Samuel, I think he even left early with the uh, re-aggravated his groin. I'm not sure if he came back, but everyone's hurt in this offense. Terry is the guy in this offense for receiving even more so when everyone's hurt. And then uh, next we have the Philadelphia Eagles game. Devonta Smith right now has a 23% target share, which is fine. It's it's kind of what I expected for him, a similar season to Jerry Judy last year, where he's a good he's good for a beta, but he's still a beta. So it's it's good for Devonta Smith to see that, and he's uh, consistently earning targets, and then he should be viable rest of the season as a wide receiver three. The QB play is fine. Hertz will probably hold the same value for the rest of the season, which gives a better sample to evaluate because so far his performance has been fine. It's been better than last season for sure, where his performance was really bad. But he's had some pretty good games so far this year. And he's had mediocre games, but so far I haven't seen bad games, which is definitely good to see. So with enough of a sample, I think we can more properly evaluate. But for now, I would say... He's probably still a sell if his price keeps creeping up just because I don't see the long-term viability of him and he's a QB who's easy to replace just because there's no commitment to him because they drafted him in the second round. If they drafted him with the fifth overall pick a couple years ago and this is how he's performing, then I would say he's probably locked into a starting job for a couple years. Don't sell, but the fact that he could be replaced any year makes him probably
1: sell if his price keeps going up yeah this whole philadelphia offense is kind of like like looking at hurts he's been good but he hasn't been great like a 77.7 uh passing grade isn't isn't bad by any means but like you said they're not tied to him and then Devontae smith has been good but he's still a beta so it just It's kind of a weird offense to look into.
0: And then the fact that you have Zach Ertz, who everyone left for dust, who's out-producing and out-targeting Dallas Goddard. Now Goddard's on the COVID list. Ertz becomes a decent start. So I think people yeah. look uh, to
1: Zach Ertz in their evaluations a lot. Yeah, I do have Ertz in a couple spots, actually. And he's hes just similar to Goddard, like same similar target share. So it's good to see, especially because he was left for dust, like you said. And then Carolina, Sam Darnold was someone who's not left for dust. Everyone jumped on the wagon, but regression has hit, obviously. Last two games has been actually just awful, 53.4 and 42.5 passing grades, which are just absolutely abysmal. And it's not hard to say we didn't see this coming because we took a sample of who Darnold's been his entire career versus who Darnold had been for three, four weeks, so or three weeks, actually. So it really wasn't that surprising. What is kind of a little surprising and not great to see is Terrace Marshall Jr. Just hasn't looked great. He's at 11.5% target share and is under 0.6 yards per team pass attempt, which is just not good at all. And it's still behind Robbie Anderson and uh, DJ Moore, obviously. So he's still a fourth option with CMC back and even Shoba Hubbard was out targeting him. So it's really not great to see. I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely panic or anything yet. Cause we know rookies will produce later in the season, but if we start to get it a few more weeks down the road and we're just not seeing anything out of Terrace Marshall, it might be semi-start to panic. Um, and then CMC should be back. Chuba was good in his absence. He saw 17.6% of the targets last week, good for 18.4 PPR, which is good. But he'll, it kind of feels like he'll just turn into one of those Alexander-Madison types, maybe a little bit better than alexander madison but still just one of those guys that everyone will talk about like how handcuffs and stuff and they'll they throw alexander madison as the key in fact chuba's going to end up there with cmc coming back he's just going to be that but handcuff
0: yeah for marshall he's right behind uh elijah moore in the pff rookie receiving grades amongst guys with 10 targets so it's not panic yet and as the season goes on hopefully we see signs of flashes that keep him out of face plan- planning range because, of, as we know, fl- face planning after your rookie season is not good. His- history shows that those guys have bad recovery rates. So, But the thing for Marshall is that we consistently see rookies improve throughout the season, and he has until week, seven, week 18 to show us something, right? So it's not that even if we're in week uh, 11 or 12 and we haven't seen much, there's still hope. And I would still advocate for holding because if you wait until after week 18, when his full season is complete, then we can really look at his whole season, evaluate it, we can plug it into our process, look at our rookie comps, and then we can form we can quickly form an opinion based on his rookie season before a lot of people move on and start evaluating for the next season because they're, they're still thinking about him the same way they did before. So there's still opportunity to sell between – around january and uh march april if we don't like what we see at that point so if you're not seeing what you like in november there's still hope and there's still reasons to hold and then um moving on to the tennessee titans game don't panic on adrian brown we know he's a good player right so we buy good players i think the a lot of the concerns going into the year have been realized he's less efficient the volume's still bad and so he's not Where he was preseason, but that doesn't mean you should sell low or even panic. He's missed some time, but the target share is is fine. He only played 64% of the snaps this week, so I don't think he's back to 100%. So he'll be better when he's 100%, obviously. And Tannehill's still a low volume, needs efficiency quarterback, and the efficiency just isn't there right now, especially with his best two weapons banged up. And then Derrick Henry, uh, continues to be better in the receiving game than he has in his entire career he's at a nine percent target share right now absolutely dominated in the rushing department and owning everyone who didn't take him in the top four picks i guess because he has
1: 24 points per game right now which is absolutely insane as for jacksonville it's just a complete mess they did let derrick henry just run all over him but i'm i'm blaming the whole mess right now on urban meyer and it's i don't think it's uh I'm, this isn't analytical in any way, but it just doesn't seem like he completely knows what he's doing, nor nor does it seem like that in any way, I guess. It's just a weird situation. We saw Arnold and Agnew be the leading receivers in this game, which is just weird to see because we know that they're not the best options here. Trevor Lawrence, who we know is a good prospect, a really good prospect, is ranked 34 to 35 in PFF grade, in PFF passing grade, and that, that was just passed up by Davis Mills this last week. So we know that there's, that there's a lot of talent here or there's good talent here. Um, and it's always talent versus situation. So a guy like Fisca is someone I'm buying and with DJ shark out, we have seen, uh, his a. Go up, which was kind of the flag with this item as an elite prospect. Plus he had, he was earning a healthy amount of targets as a rookie 15% target share last year. And now that we're seeing the a. Come up, we have, and it's right around that eight to 12 range we're looking for in these last two weeks. I'm sure his targets will come up. They'll be higher-valued targets. So with Visca's value going down, I'm going the opposite, and I'm going to buy him because I'm actually more encouraged after these two weeks.
0: Yeah, so am I. And then Dan Arnold looks like he maybe could be a decent third option in this offense. I liked him before he got traded to Jacksonville. So if he can become semi-viable in Jacksonville, I'm all for that. But Laviska Chanel and Marvin Jones are the guys to own this offense, and hopefully – they out target Jamal Agnew going forward because it would be bad if they didn't. Then the New England Patriots game, Jacoby Myers is a twenty five percent target share. He's good, a wide uh, wide receiver too. He's a good player. We know that. And then uh, Mac Jones is twenty third and a dot and little rushing. We know that. We talk about it every every week how the fantasy football ceiling for Mac is probably pretty low. And then Damian Harris left the game injured healthy he's a running back three just because there's no receiving work and occasionally there's some good rushing work and he is a pretty talented rusher so it's hard to like any running back there but brandon bolden over the last couple weeks has a 14 percent target share in both games without james white so it's uh some viability uh, if you need a desperate running back three if you pick them up in dynasty he's an easy sell just because he'll never see this kind of opportunity while James White's healthy or even guaranteed to see this opportunity going forward because he's a career special teamer
1: yeah and as for Houston who Bill Belichick is notorious for absolutely dogging on rookie quarterbacks Davis Mills was actually good he had an 81.9 passing grade and that's following weeks of 40.1 55.9 and 33.6 so it's just really odd to see I mean, I'm, if you can get out of Davis Mills for a second now, like definitely smash that because this one game, despite being a rookie, he just didn't have a good profile, doesn't have the draft capital, and those three games were just absolutely abysmal. So I'd rather buy into all of that than this one game where he was actually quite good. Um, outside of Brandon Cooks, this offense is, is pretty gross. Chris Moore had a good game, but it's not something that I would look to be buying into. There's a, there's even a chance that Brandon Cooks is not on this team by the end of the year because they know that they're not a contender, and a contender probably wants someone like Brandon Cooks. So this was a down game for him, 19.2% target share. He'll pick it back up because there is no other options. David Johnson won't have a 20-plus target share again. and soul offense is just gross. I actually don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I
0: will – make us talk about it a little bit more. David Johnson with a 12% target share on the year is a little bit intriguing just because his team does get forced into negative game scripts a lot, but there's not a lot of rushing work and there's not a lot of upside. So if one of the other running backs gets hurt and he can get more uh, overall playing time and more carries, then there could be some high, high RB3 upside, but for now he's, he's pretty unstartable week to week and – it's hard to trust him. And then there's the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, since uh, laser, I believe I'm saying that correctly, took over the play calling in week four, has an above average uh, completion percentage over expected of around three and highest air yards per attempt in the league, right? So there's certainly some upside there with him throwing pretty well over the last couple games and throwing deep. So he's throwing deep and throwing well, which is a great recipe for success as well as we know he has rushing talent he's not rushing a lot right now which is which sucks to see because that's why a lot of people liked him in the preseason, even in redraft when we know he wasn't gonna start eventually because there was believed to be some upside when he was starting but right now the volume isn't there a rushing volume isn't there eventually both will get better and i think they should trust him to pass more and to rush more but right now it's not great alan robinson with a 24% target share, should go up to around 26 27% as the year goes on. Mooney at a 25% target share. I don't believe that Mooney's better than Allen Robinson, so I think Mooney goes down to a, probably a 21 or 22% target share. And then long-term, I really expect Allen Robinson to earn more targets. And Cole Komet's usage has been interesting. He's through, His target share through um, five weeks is 16%, which is fine. It's uh, probably a high tight end two or low tight end one. So if the volume goes up, Col commit probably goes from a, a near zero in fantasy football to a desperate start in fantasy football. And then the running back split, while well, David Montgomery's out, looks to be even in the rushing game or slightly in favor of Khalil Herbert with some edge to Damian Williams in the receiving game. So I would le- look towards Damian Williams, I believe so. But if the split continues, it's neither of them pretty much especially against the Rams next week. No, not yeah, the Rams. And I, Rams is um, giants, but if it continues to be a split, it's not something that I'm overly interested in.
1: I, I do believe the pass volume would go up because it's just crazy low right now, like historically low. So that should be good news because I don't know, Robinson is still earning targets and Mooney is too, but yeah, there's just been no volume and it hasn't been good. So I do think it goes up from there. And then looking at Las Vegas, Gruden's gone and good riddance, but it shouldn't shake much up for fantasy football. Like we know what the good players on this team are and good players produce. And it doesn't seem like an egregious coach, at least from what it sounds. So nothing should really change. Waller is the alpha. He's 25% target share as a tight end. I mean, likely a tight end too to Travis Kelsey this year, which is absolutely what you drafted him for. Uh, Hunter Renfro is someone that's awesome to see. He's at 19.5% target share on the season and his range of outcomes is Rue for me. Had guys like Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, and there was another productive receiver that was on there. I can't think off. Uh, no, that was Henry That's Ruggs. Right. Uh. Which Henry Ruggs is someone that still has quite a bit of value, and actually more than Renfro. But he's been all right at fourteen point four percent target share and one point seven yards per team pass attempt, which is good. But such a high A dot, it's hard to be consistent at all. So and he wasn't a great prospect to begin with. So he'll have those boom weeks. I mean, he's someone that I'm selling if I have somewhere because he still holds a decent amount of value. And then right. someone else who's impressed me is Josh Jacobs has a 10.2% target share on the season, and he's seeing 70% of the ops. So that's definitely something that's actually really encouraging with Josh Jacobs because we know that his downside was that he didn't catch passes. So seeing him get this, this good of usage is really good to see, especially on a – offense that really does have a decent amount of volume.
0: Yeah, then um, the next game of the Cleveland Browns, OBJ with a 21% target share. His target share was higher in week one. It was 31% Then it was 26%, and I believe it was pretty bad last week, so that's not great for Odell Beckham Jr. It is only three games compared to the five-game sample for everyone else, so the season-long numbers are harder to trust just because they vary so much with a smaller sample, but Baker's playing really well right now. He's 10th in completion percentage of expected, but he is 23rd in PFF passing grade, so a bit of a disparity there. But what we know about him is he is a good, uh, pretty good quarterback who sees not a lot of volume, which keeps his price low, but I think in the long run, he will end up being a serviceable QB2 or a good passer who doesn't see a lot of volume. So that's um Baker's that's Baker's price right now that's what everyone's expecting and that's probably what continues to happen because Chubb and Hunt are very good both seem like a permanent luck box they both seem to fall into the end zone or just find ways to turn touches into points at an obscene rate for both of them I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were low running back ones this season because they're both really efficient it's hard to count on efficiency week to week or year, even year to year but we know these guys will be efficient because of the scheme and the fact that they've been efficient for
1: so long I guess it's just how they are yeah and then this was a great game because there was a lot of fantasy points scored it was such a high scoring with a lot of touchdowns game which it's really exciting to see and Herbert was at the helm of that he was absolutely balling he's the fourth ranked passer going into season uh I remember you hit on it when we were talking about Justin Herbert about how he's 11th in CPOE. uh completion percentage ever expected but he wasn't killing it in the first couple weeks and it was just we said if you trust the process and luck will come his way because he was playing well and the fantasy points have absolutely poured in for him uh looking at the chargers i found out today that you can flip mike williams who's been really good for keenan allen who yes all the hype is with mike williams and he's scoring a lot but keenan allen is still the alpha and let alone the established alpha in this offense he still has a higher target share on the year so he's still earning healthy and more of those targets so and it wasn't just you could trade him straight up there it was a decent amount on the keenan allen side that you could get it was around a second round pick so mike williams for keenan allen a second is something that i would be smashing if i could despite how good mike williams has been and then Austin Eckler, someone who's just been awesome. Last week, 91.7% of the ops plus 12% target share is just absolutely the usage you love to see on a high-volume good offense. It seemed around in week two that this – two or three that this team was just going to be the fantasy goldmine this year, and it absolutely still feels like the fantasy goldmine that it's going to deliver.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. The, as well as for the Mike Williams versus Keenan thing in Dynasty uh, – I Think there's a obviously Keenan Allen hits the age curve sooner, but Mike Williams could have the situation change. It's really murky around will he get extended? Will he go hit free agency? We we really don't know. So for Mike Williams, there's should there should be questions about long term sustainability just because the situation is a bit murkier for him. But Keenan Allen, I still I also buy him as the alpha long term. Moving on to the New York Giants game, this was a hilarious game for Kadarius Toney who had a 35% target share, 10 catches for 189 yards, punched Devontae KZ, and got ejected from the game, which was hilarious because he was doing so well before that. It was really good to see, but but I don't know. He got ejected from the game, but before that was doing very well, and I think this is a guy that a lot of people kind of whiffed on because he focused too much on the profile and didn't look at the draft capital which has some signal in and of itself just the fact that he got drafted highly probably led leads to usage and I think he continues to get out on the field from here even when Shepard and Slayton and Galladay are all healthy I think uh Tony still ends up on the field and if he can get on the field and in targets, he will, he's a guy that can rise in value substantially from, even from here, after he's risen in value, you can continue to rise in value. And there is certainly upside for him. He is a first round alpha, even with a bad prospect profile. Eventually, if he produces well, you have to think about the production college production profile less and less. So he's a guy that I actually have sent out offers for him in a couple of leagues, because, I don't know, he's not a guy that I want to miss out on because the price is low there's certainly some upside so i sent sent like curtis samuel for him because i believe curtis samuel he's injured banged up i don't know if he's going to be healthy for the next couple weeks i'm rebuilding so i get younger i get more upside so i think Kadarius tony is a guy that's worth maybe buying high on for another wide receiver for just because the price is still low for some for some upside
1: yeah, and this kind of goes into pivoting. you got to know when to pivot. Now is probably not the time to pivot and go all in or anything like that, but it was a very impressive game. It was definitely very impressive for a guy that we don't expect it from, and he was good last week too. So it's definitely something that we'll be keeping an eye on, especially over the next few weeks, see if it's something that does hold or if he's if he's a real deal. And that first draft capital will probably be one of those things that was just overlooked when it probably shouldn't have been. And then looking at Dallas, don't panic on CD because the expectations were too high to begin with, and they actually still are looking at key trade cut values, the wide receiver three. But CD Lamp's still a beta, but he's a really good one. He's actually probably one of the better ones that we'll see in quite a while because he's had a, pro- a very good rookie season and mixed with a very good uh, prospect status. So with a good quarterback as well, so he will be a very good beta. But the wide receiver three overall in value, I mean, I don't want to spend that price on a beta unless he's attached to a Patrick Mahomes offense. Looking at the other wide receiver, Cooper, is actually someone I'm more worried about because he's hovering 20.9% target share, which he's always been a 20, 22, 23% guy. think he's getting baited, or he's getting baited by CD Lamb now, and it's already a uh, passing offense that doesn't have that high of value. After that 58 point, or 58 passing attempts in week one. It's gone all the way down to 33 per game, which just isn't a good look. And there's a lot of rushing that Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard are doing. That just makes this offense a little less exciting despite all the good options, including Schultz who's been impressing and probably a back end tight end one, tight end one. Not that that's a lot. It's because you need those upper echelon tight ends, but he'll still produce good weeks. He'll likely end up as a back end tight end one. It's, it's a really good offense, just lame lame volume. Yeah, I agree there. For Cooper, I
0: think there is something to be, to be said for how banged up he's been over the last couple of weeks, but the volume should have been a concern entering the year. I don't think a lot of people factored that in. I know I did. I'm pretty sure you did. So I'm not disappointed in Lamb because I, I think I had more reasonable expectations, but his price hasn't changed, and I think it does change by the end of the year. And honestly, I'm fine. Uh, eventually, I'll just ignore the fact that he's a beta because he is a very good beta and eventually i'll just he's he is a skinny beta right like the same mode yeah. of AJ
1: green who he's like a, he's like a sydney rice
0: right the guy like he fit all the requirements to be an alpha except for the fact he was just a bit too skinny so and so for cd lamb it's a sell at the high high prices that he is at right now but he's a guy that i think eventually will work his way into the production matches with the price even if the production has to go up a little bit and the price has to go down a bit and then um moving on to the san francisco game without kittle Debo saw 32 percent target share i don't know how he keeps seeing 32 percent target share game after game after game but brandon Ayuk only a 14 percent target share not what you want to see It's just just another bad showing for Ayuk.
1: it's just i don't know i really don't know what to make of him to be honest uh I do want to point out, like we said with T. Higgins, right? Brandon Ayuk saw a 70% snap mm-hmm. share. And it just really doesn't make sense because he was so good. Yeah. And there's only been one game this whole season where he was above an 85% target share. And he was actually quite good it's that snap game. Share, right? Not target share, but snap share. Yeah. And it's just wow. disappointing to see. I don't understand why his snap percentage is so low. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things hard to figure out. He's 66th amongst all wide receivers. And even for how bad Brandon ayuk has been, he's not that bad. (laughs) Right, exactly. I'd expect, I don't know, like wide
0: receiver three at probably where he's going to end up at, I think, just based on what we know he is. But if he is limited uh, every game and he is the third option, he probably ends up uh, as a wide receiver three. It's just confusing because, I don't know, I thought he was better than this, but maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't like him but trey lance with 16 carries and uh, not great at throwing but we know that because he was a rookie in his first game right so elijah mitchell had the majority of the running back opportunities and trey sermon only had one carry trey sermon's a guy that i do want to sell low on because i wasn't in on him before and after him being a healthy scratching week one then lucking his way into opportunity when Elijah Mitchell got hurt, and then going back to no opportunity when Elijah Mitchell's back. The writing's on the wall for Trey Sermon. This is not the guy that is going to be used a lot in this offense, and if you can get out from under him at this point for maybe a second or maybe you give a third and Sermon for a second, then you should definitely try to do that because the floor is, is zero. There's a floor of him just never
1: producing anything so i think he's a guy that you should try to get out on definitely and then speaking of this backfield just one more thing i i did find it i think people thought i was a little stupid because around week two or three i picked up use check everywhere uh for like zero dollars of my fab and he's someone that's getting a 10.1 target share on the season with an actual relatively high uh a dot higher than cordero patterson so a guy that's getting targets, which we know are more important than carries, and he's getting a decent amount of them out of the backfield with a decent A dot. like, yeah, I will take that for free any day of the week. And he he keeps doing it, so even with Elijah Mitchell back. So it's really good to see uh, Arizona on the other side of the ball. Rondell Moore was really good on a really low snap percentage. He had a 21.4% target share on a 47.5% snap share. Hopefully that continues to increase because what Rondell Moore has been doing on the season – 15.2 uh, percent which is just right where you want to see it that's right where good betas are and especially when he had a good prospect profile he's someone that we we like I mean the value is already adjusting on him so it's hard to go out and say buy him and it actually over adjusted for a bit there but it, it's good to see that Rondell Moore's actually been really good so and yeah, then the uh, highest graded um,
0: rookie in PFF receiving grade who has uh, 10 plus targets because if you don't do 10 plus targets then it's Demetric Felton who had one long touchdown catch. So, out of everyone with ten plus targets, he's been the best rookie in PFF receiving game,
1: in which PFF. is really good to see. Yeah, not Jamar Chase, right? So, <laughs> another another really good thing to see was DeAndre Hopkins finally emerging as just the sheer alpha that we know him to be. He's kind of just been stuck in this like weird beta target share, and he still is. He's at twenty one point five percent, but finally see him go above thirty, which we know is something he could just do whenever he wants is really great to see and we knew it was coming to be honest. Uh yeah. Chase Edmonds doesn't get the red zone work. He he gets vultured because he doesn't get red zone snaps, but his receiving of 17.1% target share is still good enough to keep him in that RB2 range. And at the price, I mean, I, I like Chase Edmonds. Someone who catches that many passes and just does it consistently is someone that I want. And speaking of someone I want, Kyler Murray's a cheat code. His his passing grade is quite high. I believe he's top twelve, top ten and we already know about all his rushing so kyler murray is just top three qb and that's something we knew
0: yeah for chase edmonds the uh situation isn't amazing because he's a free agent after this year and i think he does succeed a lot due to the arizona scheme which gets him in space the threat of all those wide receivers and kyler murray keeps the boxes light for him which he thrives on and the receiving work is there while the red zone work isn't there so He is a, he doesn't have the ceiling as a guy like he doesn't have a the ceiling as many other running backs. But we saw we I don't know we saw the same thing with Austin Eckler where when he was a scat back he didn't get any of the red zone work but he kept developing and just turned into a um, more well rounded running back. So I don't know if there's that kind of upside for Chase Edmonds because Eckler hit the upside he he hits like the ninety nine percent percentile outcome. But for Edmonds, who's already, I believe, 25 and is a good RB2 at RB3 prices, I think the RB3 prices are appropriate because of the uncertainty with the situation. But rest of the season, I would definitely think of him as probably on RB2. And then the uh, Buffalo Bills game, Stefan Diggs, he will bounce back. He's a guy that I've seen people panic on. Please do not panic on him because he has a 27% target share right now. Probably, I think that's around the same that he had last year. It might even be identical. So this offense passes at one of the highest rates in the league. So it's not something you're panicking on because when you have that good of a target share in one of the most pass-happy offenses, it leads to a ton of targets. And that's what Stefan Diggs was last year. And that's what he'll be again this year, a ton of targets. So don't panic on Stefan Diggs. If you if someone's valuing him as like low wide receiver one, I would consider buying in uh, redraft just because he's probably a mid to high wide receiver one. And then Zach Moss, he's Zach Moss takes more of the opportunity every week, it seems. And then this week he was breaking out of the 50, 50 split that we've seen every week between Moss and Singletary. He was at a 65% opportunity share. Singletary is a 35% opportunity share. Moss is doing more in the receiving game. So I think there is definitely, there's definitely some upside for Zach Moss that he can completely oust devin singletary he can become a an rb2 but we need to see this continue for more than one game because right now we have three games of an even split and then one game of moss taking more and more work so if this trend continues for two three more weeks then i would say okay moss it's time to value him as an rb2 and if he's still being valued where he is in Dynasty I believe at RB3 prices then maybe you consider buying him because he seems pretty in this role if we see that for a few more weeks
1: yeah and just to touch on Dawson Knox he's still a wasteland tight end I mean he'll give you good games because he's part of a good offense but he's still a guy that has a middling target share and he was just ultra efficient uh that Sunday night game which is good to see but Don't overreact to it because he's still just wasteland tight end. He doesn't earn targets like the premium guys that you really need at the tight end position. Mm -hmm. Looking at
0: target share, it's just 14% target share is not elite. It's not breakout. It is points that he's, he's getting points and he's getting touchdowns, but it's more likely that he's Robert Tunyon than he's the next breakout tight end like Mark Andrews was a couple of years
1: ago. Definitely. And then Kansas City. There's the big news for fantasy was that CEH was placed on IR uh I think it was today or yesterday following this game and I'm really not all that interested in who's coming up behind him because they just aren't passing to the backs and Clyde Edwards-Helaire who had a 10 plus percent target share last year has just been 5.4% through 5 weeks the other options Darrell Williams 5.4% McKinnon, 1.6% on low opportunities but there's just, they aren't passing to the running backs like they were. We already know the neutral pass frequency is pretty bad. So I'm just, I'm really not into the options as much and the fact that they're going to be overpriced because it's part of the Chiefs. The same reason that Clyde Edwards Lair was the 1.1 over Taylor because it was part of the Chiefs. But I'm just really not a fan of many of the options here. And outside of the running backs, I mean, it's Mahomes, Kelsey Hill. It's, it's, there's not much any to touch up on because it's still going to be the Chiefs. They, even in down games, they're still good because to the Chiefs and Mahomes, Kelsey Hill would be ones at their position most definitely high end. I believe Hill
0: is banged up, right? So if Hill misses time, I wouldn't rush out to start Miko Hardman. He probably gets a bump just because, I guess, but yeah. nah, he's just still not a great player. But for Daryl Williams, he did see five targets in the game, I believe all after Clyde Edward hallaire left, so... I think for the passing uh, work that you're talking about, for him, it is there. There is certainly I'm I am interested because there was some passing work um, the other night when Clyde edwards got hurt. But they could easily trade for a guy like Marlon Mack or
1: sign. Uh, free. And I do believe I got a report on yeah. my phone that said they were interested in Marlon Mack. So, so I mean that's Marlon Mack may be traded.
0: It is what it is. That perfectly segues to the Indianapolis Colts game where. People were mad. Jonathan Taylor saw 61% of the ops, which is still pretty good. Marlon Mack, it felt like he was out there more, but he did only see 23% of the opportunities. So if they're showcasing him for a trade, that only helps Jonathan Taylor because it means that Mack isn't there for those 23% of those opportunities. Hines just has games where he's just not involved as a receiver. And so if you want to, if he's your RB4 that you want to sometimes use as a desperate flex because he's involved in the receiving game. There are games where he's just not involved in the receiving game. There's an 11% target share on the year. It should bounce back just because he's normally around 15% ish, I believe. So he should bounce back as a receiver, but Michael Pittman has a 25% target share on the year. He looks like a wide receiver two or three going forward. I mean, he's a guy that I probably missed on, but he's been good through four um, or five games and I'm adjusting relatively quickly. And then once he's, fine he's definitely better than he was his um last year's an Eagle, but he was god awful in so many metrics but right now he's 15th out of 33 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expected 20th in pff passing grade out of 34 qbs so he's an above average qb probably a qb2 in Superflex. but i think long term he'll be the he'll probably be the quarterback in indianapolis but won't do much with it definitely won't like win a super bowl or anything and I agree
1: with you on Pittman. I've week by week slowly just been getting more into believing that Michael Pittman's probably pretty good. And I think we touched on a lot. Cortland Sutton's just a great comp for him. He was already in his range of outcomes for me, and he seems to be hitting that, that good second-year leap that we just really needed to see. And he's an he's alpha, alpha, which somewhere is between Gallup and Sutton. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be really interesting to look at a guy like him at the end of the season, kind of see how his second-year turned out. Um, As for the final, final recap team here, we got the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, we just need to give appreciation to Lamar Jackson, who now is the fifth highest passing grade, and we already know how prolific of a rusher he is. Of all quarterbacks, he's leading in rushes, and it's by a decent margin over Jalen Hurts and definitely over the rest of them. So we already know how prolific Lamar Jackson is, and his passing improvement has just been crazy awesome to watch. He's literally just a cheat code. Uh, Rashad Bateman arrives next week, which is awesome because we know he's a really good prospect. I comped him to C.D. Lamb, if that gives any context. So definitely excited to see Bateman and what he's gonna do out there. And then as for the running backs in this offense, I'm just when they none of them fall in the end zone, it's it's hard to like one of them because they're not one of them's not carrying away with the spl- uh the r- rushes. Although Latavius Murray is is kind of taking a healthy amount of them, but. None of them are really have that high a target share. Tyson Williams is the one that's getting some targets. He leads the running backs in target share, but it's still just not a great number. It's not even 8%, and when he's not on the field, it's just 43.5% off share. It's not exactly the sexiest thing, and like I said, when they aren't scoring those rushing touchdowns and they're doing it in the air to score, it it just doesn't leave a lot of upside for these running backs. And then I, I try to tell you guys about Marquise Brown. For someone who... It was crazy to see in the off season where Deontay Johnson was in that wide receiver twenty range, and then you had Marquise Brown who at times was in that wide receiver fifty, even touching sixty range. So it, it's correcting itself.
0: Yeah, for um, for Bateman, I I'm curious to see where his target sure ends up right now. Hollywood is at twenty four percent, Andrews at twenty four percent. I think I'm have this is just a guess based on estimated guess based on my expectations for him but i believe he takes a little bit of a chunk out of them and then more out of sammy watkins i think and i think andrews probably sticks around 23 24 percent hollywood goes to 21 to 22 percent and then bateman
1: ends up around i'd say 18 to 20 (sighs) percent you absolutely nailed those in my head i was going with bateman 18 20 just feels really good maybe 17 20 so it's good to hear you nail basically exactly what i was thinking
0: right so for that for the, um for that range i think i i was talking to someone earlier about that uh about i expect that for bateman and they said that'll make him a face planner and i don't agree with that at all i mean that's the same range that cd lamb was in last year it's just below what brandon i was last year it's just below where Gary Dewey
1: was last year, and yeah, I think I think it's really reasonable to compare him to like a CD Lamb last year. I think he'll end up like that average wide receiver three territory. Um, we know what happened to the past attempts with CD Lamb last year, and now it's they aren't great, but it's not last year either. The Ravens are passing more because they have these weapons. So right, the
0: weapons are good. Lamar's passing well, and no running back certainly helps. So I think this offense continues to pass more than they've done in the last. Um, few years and right now uh right now uh, they are 13th in neutral pass frequency which is terrific because in the past few years they've been 32nd or 31st so to see them be 13th that's amazing that's a great outlook for bateman because this isn't last year's baltimore offense where people were wondering whether they could support three weapons i think they won't always support three weapons but i think there's viability for all three of them and i don't think bateman face plants and so i definitely think that this um I definitely think that this, uh, that Bateman comes into this offense and has some value and I don't believe he will face plant. I wanted to quickly audible and look at all the wide receivers in the range of 16% target share to 20% target share over the past few years. So these, are uh, looking at everyone in that range as rookies for the, over the last three years, we have Jerry Judy, T Higgins, AJ Brown, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, CD lamb, DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown, and Denzel Mims. So that's a, <laughs> that's pretty good. I think that Mims definitely did that uh, in just a few games. Um, so if, if Bateman can do that coming into this offense after missing some time, I think that definitely is great for his outlook. Most definitely. I'm with you there. All right, so I think that about wraps it up. That was our last game, so... Thank you for listening to the R-Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. You stuck around for another hour of our voices. Know we got some hate on the last one. This one guy in the comments who said that he hates my voice and that I should take speech classes because I keep stuttering. So if you can stand my stuttering for this long to stay around for the video, thank you so much for watching. You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. where you don't have to listen to my voice. All you need to know is how to read. You can find Ian on Twitter at Dynasty underscore im. Thank you for watching. Be sure to go you're on YouTube, like, and subscribe, download, and follow if you're on any other streaming podcast site. Thank you. Have a great night, day, wherever you're listening to. Have a good one.